Welcome to the Cornerstone Corner, our weekly message podcast. At Cornerstone, we are enthusiastic about all ages, having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open the Bible and hear God's word for us today. I'm kidding. All right. Hey, we're going to jump right into our teaching for today. Uh, so if you want to grab a Bible, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. That's where we're going to land, 1 Samuel 18. Uh, if you don't have a paper Bible and you'd like to use one, there are paper Bibles spread throughout the auditorium, but every other seat or so, you could grab one of those if you'd like. Or you can go to sermons.church on a browser on your smart device, search Cornerstone Church. All of the things will be there for you on our interactive message notes. And to get us started today, I actually start, thought about, uh, I would start this morning by having you consider a question, and it's actually a, a specific question. It'll come up on the screen. Here's the question. What is the greatest lesson that you have ever learned? And I don't want you to say out loud or whatever, just like, just think about that in your head for just a couple of minutes. What's the greatest lesson you have ever Learned. I actually did this this week and uh, took a couple minutes to think about that. And as you're thinking about yours, I will tell you what mine uh, are. And a couple things came to my mind. What are the greatest lessons you've ever learned in life? And I thought about the fact that like you shouldn't stick your tongue out and ride a bike at the same time. Because if you do, you might actually bite through your tongue and have to go to the hospital and get stitches. How many of you know that this happened to me? Right? Uh, And I will tell you, if you're curious... Uh, biting through your tongue hurts like the dickens, all right? And although I would tell you, like uh, eating ice cream, that's all you could eat is ice cream. So if you want to eat only ice cream, bite through your tongue, all right? Uh, so that was an important lesson that came to my mind, not to uh, ride a bike with your tongue out. Uh, I actually thought about this one. You also shouldn't stand behind somebody who's swinging a golf ball because they might hit you in the head. Again, I have... Some of you are trying to go, what kind of childhood did you have, you know? Uh, So like, uh, but yeah, so when I was in middle school, my brother uh, swinging, my twin brother, and hit me right in the face. uh, Ended up having to go get more stitches. By the way, you should just pray for my mom, right? That's really what you do. Um, I also thought about this lesson. Uh, You should not, after nine months of dating someone in high school, in ninth grade, tell that person you're going to marry them. Because it will freak them out and make them scared. I'm not sure why at all as I look at my wife. <laughs> this happened to me. By the way, if you're a college student in the room, take notes. Okay, not a good idea to, like, to tell somebody nine months, uh, those kind of things. Okay, so uh, those are a little funny, those kind of things. But those are the first three things that popped into my head this week and, and kind of sort of mishaps in my life. But, but great lessons, a little funny now. They hurt at the time, but kind of funny uh, when you think back to them, stuff like that. But good, good lessons, right? Important lessons to learn. And so I'm curious, as I was walking through that, like, are you having any come to your mind? You don't have to say them out loud or anything, but like, just kind of what comes to your mind? Now, you might be thinking about your childhood and where you ended up having to go get stitches at the hospital, things like that, right? Uh, One more serious one that came to my mind uh, this week was, um, uh, and I actually try to live this out in my life, but it's the lesson and the saying, and I'm sure you know it, but it it doesn't matter how much, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's actually a lesson and a filter that I put on other people. Like I'm thinking, I'm not going to really like let you speak into my life until I know you're actually for me and, and uh, those kind of things. And it's one of those things that I know others put on me too. Great lesson 
to learn. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, okay, why in the world, Matt, are we talking about the greatest lessons we've ever learned on this Sunday morning? Well, the reason I start with that today is because last week we started our first message series of the year called, it's titled, Get It Out, Learning from Internally Locked Up Things. And what we're doing in the series is we are looking at stories in the Bible in which people did not get it out. They did, they did not uh, take their vulnerabilities and let them out to other people. And because they didn't, they were internally locked up and they kind of messed up their life. And so the idea is, what if we can like, look at these stories and learn from these, these mistakes so that we don't end up the same that they did. We can not be as locked up as they were. And so um, if you weren't here last week because of the weather, please go online and check out the introduction to the series. Uh, we actually looked at a story of Jesus talking with a guy named Nicodemus, uh, kind of sets up the entirety of this series. So make sure you uh, check that out uh, sometime this week on our website or on our YouTube channel. But this morning, we are going to actually take a look at the very first lesson, lesson number one in the series. And one could argue that the lesson we're going to take a look at today, it might be the most important lesson we're going to learn from this series, the entirety of the series. And the reason I would say that is because as we see, as we will see as we go on today, this is actually something, folks, the thing we're going to look at today is something every single one of us deals with. There's not a single person in this room that doesn't deal with what we're going to be looking at today. So this might actually be one of the most important lessons we're going to look at and to learn from today. So I'm really excited to jump in with you. And, and we're gonna, the story we're going to look at today, at the center of it all, is a guy named Saul. Okay, actually King Saul to be exact. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of context about this guy. Uh, Saul was actually chosen by God to be the first king of Israel. Okay. Uh, he was actually anointed by Samuel in the books of Samuel okay, uh, to be the king of, of Israel. He is the dad of a guy named Jonathan. If you know the Bible, you might know Jonathan was kind of like this epitome of loyalty and truth and friendship. And so this is this guy's dad. Okay. Um, and so Saul kind of had it all together. Okay. Um, he had good looks, kind of like Pastor Matt. Uh, no, he had good looks and he had height and he had charm and he had leadership ability. Like this guy kind of had it all. I mean, he had his great son, Jonathan, all those kind of stuff. But uh, as he was stepping into the role of king, he actually made some choices that were disobedient to God. And so the reality of an enduring legacy and, and tradition of, of carrying on this legacy of his, of his leadership just wasn't in the cards for for Saul. And we're actually going to see the beginnings of where kind of things started to unravel a little bit for King Saul in our text today, and specifically the internally locked up lesson that we can learn from him and not have in our life. All right? And so we're going to take a look at this story. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 18. I'm going to read a lot of text today, so please uh, stay with me as best as you can. Kind of jump around just a little bit as well. But we're going to look at this uh, story and this interaction between Saul and David, who eventually becomes the king of Israel. Okay, but in this story, he's not quite yet the king. All right? And so starting in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. It says, After David had finished talking with Saul... He kept David with him and did not let him return to his family. Verse 5. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, that's Goliath if you know that story. The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with trembles and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. 
Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me only with thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but he had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men, and David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he had led them in their campaigns. Just a few more verses, verse 20. Now Saul's daughter, Michal, was in love with David. And when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. I will give him to her, he thought, so that she may be a snare to him and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Verse 28. So when, when Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter, Michal, loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. The Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle and as often as they did, David met with more success than the rest of Saul's officers and his name became well known. And now there's a lot in that text and I know it's a lot to read, uh, but I think there'll be some really important things for us to catch today in the midst of this in, in regards to our topic. So uh, our message title this morning and our first lesson of this series is, number one, uh, Saul Seriously Shaky. That's kind of the title. We're going to look at this guy, Saul, who was seriously shaky. Now I'm going to kind of explain what that actually means as we go on today. Um, but again, it's a lesson I think we all need to learn from and deal with in some level because we all have some level of shaky like Saul too. And I'll uh, kind of give you more of what that means in just a minute, all right? But before I uh, give you all that stuff and have you write some stuff down, I wanna pause and pray. So if you would pray with me and then I'll give you some things to write down and think about. So God, we thank you this morning for an opportunity to be in this place. Uh, and we do pray, God, that um, we hope that the worship was uh, glorifying and, and praising to you and you feel loved by us. And uh, now, God, that we turn our attention towards this particular text, we just pray, God, that you would make our hearts, our souls, our minds supernaturally sticky and that we would be more like Jesus as a result of our time together, uh, not because of what I have to say, but because the, there's power in your spirit among us. God, we know that the scripture says that where two or more gather, you're with us so we know you're here. So just do something great among us. Teach us, change us, mold us, shape us. Do whatever you want to do with us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 All right, we have one point today. I've got a couple of different uh, uh, like levels and, and uh, different layers to this. But we're going to look at why was Saul shaky and why did I title that and what kind of locked him up inside that we need to learn from and not be locked up ourselves, all right? And so you can write this in. Uh, this is our one point today. Saul was internally locked up by someone else's success. Saul was internally locked up by someone else's success. And I'm just going to be really upfront with you. What we're going to talk about today is honestly, uh, Saul was kind of locked up by his own insecurities, okay? And so that's going to be where we're going to get to in just a minute. But, but, but really, he was be, what caused the insecurity was he was locked up by someone else's success. And whose success? Well, in particular, it was David's, right? It was David's success. We actually see in this text that we just read, and I'm going to highlight a couple other verses for you, just reminding us of this because it was a lot of text. But success was kind of all over David. Right? Like it was just everywhere, like all over David. Like, look back at verse five. It says, Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful. Not even that he was successful, but he was so successful. 
Verse 14, in everything he did, he had great success becoming, uh, because the Lord was with him. And then verse 30, the Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle as often as they did. David met with more success than anybody else. The rest of the, uh, Saul's officers and his name became well known. So success was kind of literally all over David, so much so that they began to actually sing songs about David, right? In verse 7, again, it says, as they danced, they sang, Saul has, has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And so they're like dancing, right? Go, oh, yeah. Some of you don't like how I dance, right? But they're like dancing and moving and shaking. They're like, woo, man, Saul is great. But David, woo, baby, he's even greater than Saul. And so things are kind of like on hitting on all cylinders for David. Like he's all in, right? It's up and to the right. I mean, this guy, this little runt shepherd boy who's turned warrior, by the way, if you know his story, right? Like he's like riding cloud nine, this guy, David, right? And people are starting to notice, right? Like, whoa, David, heck, there's something about David. But, but for Saul, who again, mind you, is the king, for, da- for, for, for Saul, like, it just, it just completely locked him up. And it specifically locked him up internally. And, and what I want us to catch today is that it actually made him completely insecure. And folks, what I want us to talk about today is that Saul was, and we can be, insecure. He dealt with, and we can deal with deep insecurity. We can, ha- we can often be insecure. And so my question is, who's excited to, you came to church this morning? We're talking about our insecurities today, okay? And what I just said at the beginning, right, there's not a single person in this room that doesn't have at least one insecurity. It's part of the human condition. Right? And so we, we can live in this insecurity. And when, when we live in the insecurities, we can, it can lock us up internally inside and, and, and can really create a mess in our lives, which we actually see happen in Saul's life. It actually starts to unravel starting in verse 8 of our text. Says, Saul was very angry with this refrain. Like it was the song that they were singing about David, right? And, and so this refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands. He thought, but only me, thousands? And so he says this to himself again, what more can he get but the kingdom? And so, so, so began insecurity in King Saul. Really the fear of not being number one. He was gonna get knocked off of the number one spot. Actually, when I looked in this uh, scripture this week in my Bible, and actually the title of the, the section of this scripture says, Saul's growing fear of David. And, and so Saul the, began to fear being no longer number one. And, and what happened is his insecurity began. Exodus in verse 15, just a reminder. When Saul saw how successful he was, that's David, he was afraid of him. Verse 29, Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy the rest of of his days. And so true insecurity began. Why? Because really all Saul could see was David. And the success that he saw actually didn't have in some senses he was way more worried about somebody else than himself. And so because of David's success, Saul became shaky at best. As remember the title of this, the message today is Saul seriously shaky. He became shaky at best. He became internally locked up because of David's success. It actually says in verse nine, and from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. In some senses, can I even say, if you, if we, the human condition, if we are so much focused on somebody else rather than ourselves, can I tell you that's a little bit weird? 
And yet that's where we see Saul doing. And he could only see David and, and the, like, this is folks, insecurity at its finest. Attention there on somebody else focusing on what we don't have and the success that he wasn't seeing. And, and, and really then the overall arching key in the midst of this text is, especially for us in this Get It Out series, right, is the fact that Saul withheld that. Saul withheld the fact that he was having this feeling. Saul withheld the fact that he was really having this feeling about himself, but he was having this feeling about David, right? And, and, and so he kept all this locked inside of himself, he expressed this to no one. Did you catch in the text? We're going to look at this in just a minute. But he was talking to himself quite a bit, right? A few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that the person that we lie to the most is who? Us, right? And the person, the voice that we hear more often than any other voice out there is who? It's us. And so he's in inside of himself. He's talking to himself. And so what happens when he's not expressing this, getting this out of him, this insecurity that he's feeling, what happens is, is that then he starts to what? He starts to think about ways to knock David down, right? He, he wants to knock David down a few pegs so that what? So that he can feel better about himself, right? That's what happens, right? We see this happen in, uh, he actually threw a spear at him, right? If you remember that, uh, verse 10 and 11, while David was uh, playing the lyre, as he usually did, Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying, I am going to pin David to the wall. Verse 21, he actually begins to scheme to knock David down with a plan, by the way, uh, that, that involved his daughter, Michal, which I think is a little strange. Be like, hey, I want to knock this guy down a few pegs. Hey, I'm going to give my daughter to him. It's a little weird, <laughs> a little strange, okay? But it actually says in verse 21, he says, I will give her, Michal, to him as a wife, he thought, so that, he may be, uh, that she may be a snare to him and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. And so you see, you see, you see what happens is, is that, that, that Saul is like literally just talking to himself. To, we, you know, a few months ago, we looked at the soundtrack series. It was a soundtrack that was just playing and playing and playing and playing in Saul's mind. And, and because he was just seeing this over, that's all he was talking to himself. He didn't express his insecurity to anybody else. What ended up happening is then all he could think about was ways to knock David down. He looked at knockdown strategies came to his mind. And so what we have to understand, folks, is, is about insecurity is this. You can actually write this in your hand. The truth is this, is that insecure people try to make others feel smaller. Confident people love to see others walk taller. Insecure people try to make others feel smaller. Confident people love to see others walk taller. It's true. And so it's not what we see from King Saul here, right? So... What does that mean to it? That means he's insecure, right? He's not confident. Because he should be willing to like see David be taller, right? And, and then the further truth is, and you can write this in on your handout as well, internal confidence can often be silent while insecurity quite loud. Internal confidence can often be silent while insecurity quite loud. I don't know about you, but if, you, if you're like most people, that is so true inside of us, isn't it? Where even we might want to actually exude internal confidence, but we really don't have it. And that's really silent. And the, the truth of the matter is, is that, is that we are locked up inside of our insecurities. And time after time after time after time, it just me, it, it makes us walk around emotionally, um, can I say it this way, suffering silently. When we do not express our insecurities and nobody else knows where we are, we are suffering silently. And by the way, this is not God's design for us to suffer silently. By, by a church family in particular, this is we're supposed to carry each other's burdens like we looked at last week. 
And so, because what happens is when, we are, when we're in our insecurities, then we feel a level of inadequacy and, 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 uh, and not being good enough or lacking confidence and, and not being sure that, of our abilities. And we're like, wait, did people even really like me or do they not like me? And it produces anxiety about our relationships and our goals and our ability to have certain situations handled. And so I began to think about this week as I was preparing for today about all the places in which we can experience insecurity, where you and I can be insecure. And to be honest with you, I was a little overwhelmed by the list. And I'm going to share a couple things with you. And I'm going to try to, um, what I want you to do is I want you to, uh, it's a pretty lengthy list, but I want you to think about your life. And I want you to be honest with yourself and think, am I potentially insecure in that area? And do you relate to any of these things? Because my guess is there's going to be probably something that you do. And so I started to think about places where we can be insecure. For like, for example, for the students in the room, high school students, middle school students, college students, I was thinking about how sometimes like, uh, man, your life can, you can be all over the place insecure. Like where the reality of like on a sports team where like, you know, somebody finishes ahead of you or, or somebody takes your starting position or like there's a class that you're in and, and everybody else seems to be thriving and you just seem to be frustrated and, and can't get it and can't understand it. Maybe it's with friendships and, and relationships and things are all kind of messed up and weird and all that kind of stuff. The, the reality is if you're a student in the room, middle school, high school, or college student, man, insecurity is written all over the place in your existence. And so then I thought about, okay, well, maybe there's a bunch of us that are outside the school uh, time of our life. And so I was thinking about uh, insecurities that can, that can come up in our workplaces, you know, like, like there tends to be, for many people, a, a fear about underperforming or, or maybe a fear about uh, getting passed over pro, for a promotion or, or maybe even potentially getting fired. You're, you're afraid tomorrow you're going to walk into the office and they're going to say, hey, we need to sit down and have a meeting and you might lose your job. Or I thought about insecurities relationally with friends and just like students, right, where uh, you're, you're insecure about, wait, like, uh, about, wait, why did they get invited to something and I didn't get invited to that? Or, or, or maybe there's just like trust issues in general and, and you're just like, I don't really know what's going on with my friendships. Or, or maybe it's with family and, and, and there's just this reality of, of the American dream and we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and we're way too busy and we're outside of our means, but we got to keep up with everybody else because we're insecure about really where we actually are. And so we're trying to keep up with everybody else and or, or, or maybe it's, it's not even like all of that, but there's just like sibling, sibling rivalry and, and backbiting. There's all this family drama. By the way, you show me a family that's not messy, I'm, I'm going to try to figure out how to be like you. Maybe it's an insecurity in marriage and you're insecure as a husband or insecure as a wife. And you're like, wait a second, are we even doing this right? Like our marriage seems different than everybody else's. Like we, are we just the weird ones? Like why are we so different than everybody else? And there's gotta be something wrong with us. Or, or maybe it's in general, there's an insecurity as a man or, or a woman or as a husband and a, and, a, and, a, and a wife and a mother and a father. And like the reality is maybe it's the, the, the parenting thing and you, you feel a level of mom and dad guilt because wait a second, like their kids don't actually talk back to them and, and that like they can actually go out in public and have dinner and our kids are like monsters and like we got to be doing this wrong and do you understand how real this is folks i'm telling you you right you you you, you have these conversations with yourself right i'm not i'm not done okay what what's about like physical insecurity right like things like body image and how we actually feel about ourselves like physically right like some people may i'm too tall or i'm too short or i'm not good looking enough or i'm not skinny enough or we, or we deal with like maybe it's character traits and social insecurity. Like, like I'm too talkative and, and outgoing like Pastor Matt is. 
but like I'm too talkative or I'm going or, or maybe I'm too shy or I'm, I'm too much of a people pleaser or I, I'm just kind of a, a bulldozer relationally. Maybe it's a spiritual insecurity and you, you feel like you're not doing enough and you're not experiencing enough spiritual things. Or the worst, by the way, which I know is so stinking common, is that you don't even feel worthy enough for Jesus. By the way, that's not how this works. Jesus makes us worthy. It has nothing to do with what you do or don't do. You see, the, the, the places, folks, that we can be insecure, experience insecurity, man, it's overwhelming. So many things and places and thoughts. And so, so I think, it, because we, I think we all know that that's actually true, I think the question that we need to ask ourselves, and this is actually going to come up on the screen, is this. I'm going to bring that question up. Is where am I most insecure? Where am I most insecure? Where are you most insecure? Because I, I think, folks, it's not a matter of if you are insecure, it's where. It's not if I'm insecure, it's where am I insecure? And maybe for some of you in the room, maybe it's uh, like uh, insecurity like Saul here in our text, right? Where you're internally locked up by somebody else's success or, and, and there's comparison games going on and all that kind of stuff. Or, or maybe it's just one of the things I just mentioned and walked through over the last couple of minutes. But what, no matter what it may be, can I, can I just tell you, I think it's extremely, extremely healthy to identify those places and see them as they are and do what we're trying to do in the series and what we're trying to do this year, that being our year that we open up and reveal and heal. I think it's extremely healthy to get it out. Get it out. Tell somebody. Again, Saul, Saul was just talking to himself. Tell somebody about where you're insecure. Because by the way, you know that you are. I know that I am in some of those things too, Right? Because what happens is if we don't get it out of us, we're gonna end up living the life like Saul and all we're gonna do is think about knockdown strategies. We're gonna knock down other people so that we can feel better about ourselves. And so I think we need to be honest about that and get it out. And so when I got to my point, this point in the message prep, I was thinking, okay, so I'm gonna kind of lead the way. And so uh, I'm really trying hard this year to model what I teach up here, folks, because I'm not just telling you to do something, I'm gonna be part of this. We're all part of church family, right? And so I uh, sat and thought this week about the areas of, of Matt's insecurity. And uh, because again, it's not if Matt is insecure, it's where Matt is insecure. And so, um, so I actually thought real quick of uh, just like three areas. I think there's more than that, but, but three specific areas where I am insecure. And I'm just gonna be really upfront and honest. I'm gonna be vulnerable with you this morning. And so the very first thing that came to my mind um, and it kind of hit me square in the face because it's very much what we see Saul do in this text is that I, folks, can be insecure, I can have insecurity with other churches and pastors. Just being real. Where, uh, where like, I feel like uh, oftentimes uh, I am inadequate to do this job. Because some of you know, like I, I, you would ask me 15 years ago, if we're going to plant a church, start a church, I would have said, you're nuts, right? I would have never thought this is what I was doing for my life. This is the call that God's put in my life. I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else, but I often feel like I'm not qualified enough to do what I'm doing. And so what happens is, and then I see other churches experiencing growth and experiencing people getting baptized and, and just people just following Jesus and growing and, and all those kind of things. And I'm like, wait a second, I, I, Lord, I, I want these things for Cornerstone. I, I want to be where we're, we're like, I want to be at the place where we're, we're, we're different, where we're, we're bigger, we're, we're stronger, we're, we're stronger Christians, those kind of things. And so what happens is, is that, that uh, when I see other churches and other pastors seeing success, what happens is, you know what I, what, you know what I can default to? Criticism. 
I can criticize those people. I can criticize those organizations instead of celebrating their success. What, by the way, we're all on the same team. So I actually had a, 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 I got to live this out this weekend. I actually did really well, which is awesome. As I got a pastor, a friend of mine that we've been connected for quite a many years, that he's a pastor on the north end of town. And we were in a conversation and he was telling me that like uh, they've been seeing about a thousand people at their church. And, and so normally what would go is like, oh, we're only seeing 400. <laughs> By the way, 400 people is still not a small church, right? And so the reality is like, I can get that. I was like, well, why are we not a thousand? And so, man, this week I was like, dude, that, Adam, that is awesome, man. I'm celebrating that with you, that you get a thousand people that you get to disciple and, and make into disciples of Christ. Because we're on the same team. Amen. And so that was the first area that came to my mind is sometimes I can have uh, this insecurity with other churches, pastors. The second thing that came to my mind pretty quickly is I can experience insecurity when, uh, when the church finances fluctuate. Um. Uh, again, just being real with you, uh, we actually saw this actually happen at the end of 2023 here in the last few months, that giving started to kind of go down a little bit. The church is fine. We're doing okay. But like, it's just like, we ended up having to cut $24,000 out of our budget as we went into January. And so, uh, and so by the way, if you call this church home, can I invite you to be part of the giving of this church? Um, it's not, but how many of you know that Pastor Matt's bank account, bank account can't handle the church finance budget? Okay. <laughs> My mom knows that she's in the back, right? She's raising her hand. And so the finances of the church are all of us, folks. And by the way, God calls us to tithe, give 10% of our givings and earnings back to him, right? Care for the church of God. And so, so uh, if that's your guest here today, that's, you don't have to worry about that. But if you call this church home, you're supposed to participate in that, right? It's just all of us. But what happens in me when the church finances begin to fluctuate, what, what happens is that I, I start to get very anxious and insecure. And really, if I'm calling a spade a spade, what I actually am most, uh, uh, what happens inside of me is that I actually have a fear of failure. I have a fear of failure. Like, I'm like, okay, how many of you guys know that, that churches die? And so I have a fear of failure. And even to the level, I'll just be really honest with you, I actually have a, 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 a levels of, of insecurity because I almost feel like some level of abandonment. Some of you know that I, my stuff with my dad and, and the fact that like he's an alcoholic and had to walk through all that stuff when I was a kid, like there's, I've, I've dealt with some of that abandonment stuff. So I know what that feels like. And there's a level of abandonment that I, that I experience in the midst of this. When the church finances begin to fluctuate, like I actually thought about the fact that when Lee and I felt like the Lord was telling us to, to plant the church, I said, well, I hope some people come with us, right? And the reality is there's a whole bunch of people that come with us, but we can't do it on our own, right? And so the, the, the truth of the matter is I can be very, very, very insecure from week to week, folks, because of the church finances. No, the church is doing okay. We're doing fine. But can I tell you, there's pressure when I have to pay other people's livelihood, like I have like staff that I have to pay that they expect to actually put food on their table. Like there's pressure and some of you are business owners, you get some of this, right? The last one, and this is probably the hardest one for me to admit to all of you, um, probably the biggest one is uh, there's actually been uh, over the last year probably a physical insecurity in me, um, specifically um, in regards to body image. Now, some of you were thinking, oh, Pastor Matt, you're, you're confident, you know, whatever. Like you just said you were good looking just a minute ago. <laughs> but some of you know that over the, like about 10 years ago, I lost 95 pounds and I gained back about 45. And so what happens to me, which is probably not uncommon what happens to you, like you're out somewhere, you take a picture with friends, they post it on the internet and you see something you don't want to see. 
Can I tell you, that's been the last year, that's what I do. I look at pictures and see what I look like that I don't want to look like rather than just being happy the picture got taken. I was with friends. And so, like, what I'm trying to do over the, uh, the last few months is I'm trying to be, to get to the point where I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm trying to work on how I feel about me. By the way, it's important for you to work on how you feel about you because God is the creator who created you. And he created me. And so I'm trying to feel good about who I am. And, and I'm trying to, like, eat good and try to do some exercise and work out. And those kind of, by the way, when you get into your 40s, your metabolism tanks, right? What used to work back in my 30s ain't working anymore, right? But, but I will tell you some, like, folks, I know many of you are right where I'm at in the midst of that. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. And so those are just like three things. Again, quickly, I, I, again, there's more than that that I can be insecure about. But, but the truth of the matter is the places in which, folks, we can be insecure, you can be insecure, I can be insecure. Man, it's so many things. It, and, and things that would like internally lock us up and, and, and keep us in a place where, where like um, uh, this, this just locked up. And, and, and the truth of the matter is like you think about back, back to Saul for a minute, right? I mean, Saul, like because he was so internally locked up with what was going on inside of him, his insecurities, like he actually tried to kill David. Remember, he threw the spear. And so insecurity, what did it do? It only took, took him down a dark path. Folks, insecurities in us are only gonna take us down dark paths. That's it. And so it could be maybe it's like Saul and it's with somebody else's success or maybe it's something, all those other tons of things too. But the fact is, is we folks, we need to go to work on our insecurities. We need to go to work on our insecurities, not let them lock us up. And so when needed, when needed, we need to sing other people's praises. Rather than seeing their success and letting it lock us up, we need to sing other, others' praises. Philippians chapter two, verse three says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, what? Value others above yourself. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another, that's important, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so it's just saying, do this, like express our, uh, our, our, our vulnerabilities, express, express our insecurities so that, that we don't get locked up into the depth of deceptive sin. Get it out in a positive way, seeing other praises, celebrate their success. And so I guess what I want to really say today is, is like, tell somebody we're feeling what we're feeling. Tell somebody what, what insecurity that you're feeling, at least. Don't let it kind of like live inside of your head, okay? The inside of our head stuff, folks, what can happen to the inside of our head is that things begin to stew and fester. Don't let it stew and fester, but live out Proverbs 27, 17, which says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We are not meant to stew and fester. We are meant to sharpen each other. Let somebody sharpen you and you sharpen somebody else by being open about your insecurities and taking on somebody else's insecurities. Or finally, take Philippians chapter four to heart. Man, I love this chunk of scripture. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. But basically what this is saying is take your insecurity to the king of kings. And if you do that, if we do that, it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Basically what it's saying is it'll help. It will help. It says then, verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Can I tell you, folks, that is the mental place to be, not our insecurity. 
of, of noble things and pure things and lovely things and seeing what we do have rather than what we don't have and celebrating what people, when they have success, go, yeah, way to go. That's what we can learn from Saul is to not live the way he did and do it in the complete opposite way. And so with that, I'm gonna um, end with this. And uh, to do so, I'm gonna ask you guys to stand. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up and get ready to go. And um, essentially what I want you to do is I want you to consider a question today. It's gonna come up on the screen. And here's the question. Is there an insecurity I'm carrying today? Is there an insecurity I'm carrying today or one that I default to often? And the reason I want us to ask that question today is because maybe today we do what Saul didn't do. Maybe we identify the fact that we walked in with an insecurity. By the way, there's not a single one of us, again, right, that doesn't have at least one. So maybe today we, I, we go, gosh, I, I do have an insecurity. I just shared a bunch of mine. And so identifying that so that ultimately, like you gotta, you gotta be able to like call it what it is, right? But then not only that, that maybe today, you commit to going to work on that insecurity. Well, we pray that you enjoyed the message today. We pray that it was challenging and that the Spirit has stirred something new in you today. Have a blessed week.